0: Welcome to the career happiness podcast. My name is Soma Ghosh. I'm a careers advisor and business owner. In this podcast, we're going to talk about what your career means to you, and what uniquely defines your career and your version of success, and what it means for you to be career happy at work and in your business. This podcast is for professional women who are looking to gain more within their career to find a new job, find a new career, or potentially start a portfolio career or business. It's also for parents of teenagers who want to find out more about careers advice and information and feel like they wanna help their teenagers to go off and pursue careers that they actually really, really want. And lastly, it's for business owners and people who want to start a business and feel inspired by their career and business collectively. So I hope that you enjoy this new season of the podcast and thanks for listening. Hello everyone and in this episode I had a really interesting and. Um, I think, in many ways, quite thought-provoking conversation with Sherylann Solnicki. And um, I actually discovered Sherylann because one of her team got in touch with me and um, did a really good pitch um, to come on the podcast and told me a little bit more about what Sherylann does. And Sherylann has her own really um, great um, podcast called The Brilliant Balance Podcast. Um, and in this interview, we spoke <laughs> about a lot of things, which I feel are not only important to the discussion around careers trajectory and you know going for what you want and being brilliant in your career because that's something that Sherrilyn talks a lot about. But we spoke about productivity, we spoke, spoke about gratitude, we spoke about how um, you as a woman can empower yourself, not just as a mum but as any professional working woman who wants more money, um, you know, more status, more whatever it is you want. And even if you don't want more, and you want to, you know, have a life that fits in around your family or your other commitments, what can you do so that you have not only a certain amount of career happiness, but you don't lose who you are. So we spoke a lot about all those kind of things. And What I found really, really um, thought provoking about this particular interview is that not only was it interesting to have another kind of stateside interview, the second one (laughs) of uh, 2021, but also a lot of the themes that we spoke about, um, yes, some of them were linked to the pandemic that we're going through. But some of them have been more kind of highlighted because of the pandemic, you know, working from home, um, figuring out what you want, career change, all of those sorts of things. So I really enjoyed having this conversation with Sherylann. And if you want to stay tuned and find out more, I would definitely recommend it because I not only felt more inspired speaking to someone like Sherylann, but it was nice to have a conversation with someone who really, really understands what's going on in the career space. But also, I think fits very, fit very, very kind of well into what I'm trying to do with the career happiness P- podcast. So I really hope that you um, take some time to listen to this one. And really listen to what Cherylanne is saying. But also make sure that you be mindful of the fact that If you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed by things, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way, you know. We're all human and I speak about that a lot on this podcast, as you already know. The last episode that I did was all about chronic illness and um, it was a very vulnerable episode because I shared some things that I'm personally going through and I've been getting more messages from people who are feeling very deflated after an illness or going through something and feeling burnt out. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this one, and um, please, 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 if you haven't already, subscribe, share, leave me a review, and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this one. Thanks. So, hey, sheryl it's great to have you with us here today. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. It's great that you're here today. Um. Obviously, I have been like listening to your podcast and I've really, really been enjoying it, but it would be kind of um, really, really cool if you can kind of tell our listeners um, a little bit more about you and what you do.
1: Sure. So I am um, the founder and CEO of Brilliant Balance, which is an organization that primarily works with working moms. Um, I think we're sort of expert guides for working moms at this point to help them put the pieces together so they can really feel like rock stars at work and at home. Um, I have a team of seven and we're kind of spread out throughout the US. and, And then personally, I am a married mom of three. My kids are 10, 13, and 16. So I am walking the talk every day.
0: Cool, cool, cool. And and in terms of your coaching practice, then, like the coaching business that you run, you've you've mentioned there a little bit about the women. But what are the kind of issues that come up around that? And can you go into a little bit more detail, Sherilyn? That'd be really, really cool.
1: Sure. So people seem to find their way to us for. Maybe four main problems, and then, of course, like anything, there's tentacles from there. You know, the first problem could be, I'm just really tired all the time. Like I'm so exhausted um, physically, mentally, emotionally, and i I feel overwhelmed and like I can't keep up. And so we do some work around energy management and really making sure that people um, in our community feel strong, physically, mentally, emotionally, to kind of take on whatever life throws at them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is really rooted in, I feel like I have too much to do and not enough time to do it, right? And that's the productivity challenge of um, my calendar is out of control. There are so many people pulling me in so many different directions. And so we have like a kind of whole suite of services and ideas around optimizing your productivity. The third would be the, what do I want to do with my life problem? You know, like the a midlife pivot, um, a sense of purpose or mm-hmm. calling, where there's this sense of, you know, if I'm going to work this hard, it better matter. You know, it better be for um, And so we talk a lot about purpose and, and what's the dream that you're chasing and how can we get there. Um, and then I think the fourth is really around, I want to change something about my career. And sometimes those intersect. But we get a lot of women who are like, I don't think I'm, you know, I got on this ladder. I started climbing, I'm i not sure anymore that this is really the career path I want to be on. That's a big
0: area of where we're helping women make changes. So, yeah, thank you so much for giving us a great overview about that, sherri That's really, really helpful. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to chat about with you, because when we initially um, spoke, um I really loved hearing about your former career. What did you kind of do previously before you kind of ran your business?
1: Yeah, I was a corporate ladder climber, right? That's how I always talk about it. starting my first company, I spent 15 years working for a global consumer products company. Um, started my career in sales right out of college or university. And then I um, finished my MBA. And then moved into marketing and spent the rest of my time there working in marketing. So I worked on big global consumer product products brands, like Laundry to Church, as an example, um,
0: and on big marketing campaigns. Cool. And within the kind of um, the marketing, was there something that you specifically learned that made you think, you know, you want to start a business? What, what was the thing behind that that really, really made you want to potentially start a business, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think that maybe I've always loved business, like on some level, when I think even back to being like a kid or a teenager, there was something about the world of business that was more attractive to me than, I don't know, law or politics or medicine, you know, like I, business was always sort of my jam. So even um, though I wasn't ready to do it on my own, I felt like being in a big company was a learning lab. Um, getting an MBA was a learning lab of, you know, how to run a PL and and uh, what drives consumer behavior and how do you build a concept that's marketable? And, you know, you, you get to really look at business from a 360 degree perspective. Um, and then the shift was really, um, I wanted a, uh, two things. I wanted more control over the outcome. Right. So I wanted speed to market and I wanted to be able to execute the ideas that I thought were exciting, but also I, um, I wanted the product or the service that I was marketing to feel like it was solving a problem I really cared about. And it was just becoming increasingly difficult for me to get excited about laundry detergent, you know, or <laughs> any other consumer product. Like, yeah. blessedly, there are people who can get excited about that, whether it's beauty care or healthcare products. But for me, I really was excited about behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I get to do every day now.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I can t- definitely see that in your brand and how you articulate yourself and everything. And I, I really, really admire that about you, Sherilyn. It's a really great quality. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start my business, actually. I wanted to really um, put more of my heart and soul into things. I know, yes. I know that one of the things that you really um a quiet you know great at talking about and I know when I've been listening to your podcast I've been hearing that you're really super organized and you know <laughs> um and I'm, and there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who um you know they struggle with that they find that really really hard and and it's been a balancing act for me as well as a business owner Um, how can we kind of be more productive in our working lives, especially kind of during these current times? Yes. Well, this is one of my favorite questions. So thank
1: you for asking and giving me a chance to talk about it. I mean, I think we're so hard on ourselves for not getting enough done. Um, And so when I think of productivity, I think about kind of a few different steps, right? The where most people start is they try to just jump in and get everything done faster or like squeeze more right out of those same hours. And I think if we do that, we're skipping over an important first step. So productivity really starts with choices, right? It really starts with right sizing your commitments, making sure that that you have enough time to do with excellence the things that you have said you will do. And we're so bad at that Zoma. Like we're so bad at saying, I will say no to things until the things I have said yes to actually fit into the time I have available. That is like the magic pixie dust on all of this mm. is having the right um, set of commitments. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. totally. Okay. So then it's like, once you have a set of commitments that you actually have a shot at executing, then there's a two-part process. And I, I call this, um, so my little equation is P equals I squared, and that's productivity is intention times integrity. So once you've really figured out what you're going to do, then it's having a plan, right, set it to do over a specified period, of- and then staying in integrity to that plan. So if if and for me, I work on a weekly basis. So I create a plan for the week. It spells out exactly what I am committing to do. Um, you know, sort of hour by hour, right? With some breathing room in there, but sort of hour by hour. And then by the end of the week, I want to look back on that and say, Did I do what I said I will do? Mm-hmm. And I'll pause there for a second because that. You know, being able to look back and say, did I do what I say, what I said I will do is not always a fun question, right? Because if we broke promises to ourselves or if we broke promises to other people, then we're reaching the end of the week with a lot of stuff left undone. And we have to then ask why, right? What pulled me off task? What did I say yes to when I meant, when I should have said no? You know, whose priorities did I put ahead of my own? And then there's a learning opportunity there to, to try again and try differently in you know the next week. So I never, ha- I probably never have a week where every single thing gets done exactly as designed, you know, typically there's a bit of juggling in there. And so, but now I know to plan for that. I know to leave some breathing room so that things can get moved around Um a little bit right as as fires crop up or or people come in with urgent requests throughout the week
0: yeah yeah and I really love what you said there particularly kind of towards the end you know having that space because I feel that the self-compassion part is really really important um how how would you you know as you know, because I do work with a lot of mums. I'm not a mum myself, but I see mums really, really kind of berating themselves on this quite a lot. Cherylanne, what yeah. advice would you give to any mums who who do that, um, berate themselves?
1: Well, I think again, it's culturally we are just trained to put everyone's needs before our own, and. And I, to a level, respect that, right? Of course, if my children need me, I'm going to do what they need. Um, and that is part of being a mother. But it's also part of being a mother to model that that adult women have needs as well, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on the age of your children, to to teach them that so that they can go on and respect that same dynamic as adults. Mm-hmm. And to teach them the same practice of saying no. Like, How do we expect them to say no to all the extracurricular activities and all the things that could compete for their time and attention and keep them up till two in the morning, right? As they get older, if, if we're not modeling that as we go. So typically what I hear women say gets in the way is guilt, right? I feel guilty for saying no to them, um, or I own them in every activity they want to be in. But I, I really think we have to consider what is the lifestyle we're trying to model for them. And are we, are we walking the talk?
0: yeah no, definitely, definitely. And I think that, that through those kind of lessons, you have that role model thing and it and it goes on to the kind of career that that you want to have, totally, yeah. totally. Um I'm really kind of interested also to kind of find out because you know you've had quite a um interesting career, and I know that you you talk about a lot of these things in relation not just to career ballads and productivity but you have a lot of nuggets of wisdom. So I want to kind of ask you, what lessons do you feel you have learned in your career that have helped you be who you are today, Sherylan? So, oh my
1: gosh, um, so many. I think one thing that I think about a lot is early in my career, I I would have said I was someone who was really afraid of failure. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to play everything safe. I didn't want to take risks. Um, failure was hard. And, and I think the reframe that I've learned throughout, you know, my corporate career and certainly in my entrepreneurial life is that, you know, failures sort of imply finish lines, right? If, if we're going to assess, did we win or lose? Did we succeed or fail? The implication is that we're standing at a finish line. And my reframe is what if we're just standing at a milestone, you know, a marker, a lap marker along the journey? And then what we're doing is we're assessing what will I do differently as I go on from here? So I can't even tell you how powerful that is to, to lay down the fever of like the pit stop, you know, the check in point where you're saying, um, what will I do differently from here? What will I change? What do I need to retool for this next leg, right? Of the race. And that of all the lessons that I've kind of unpacked in my career, I think that's probably the one that's the most powerful day to day. So I think that when I look back on my whole career, I used to be really afraid of failure, right? Like terrified of taking a risk or doing anything that might, (laughs) Um, cause me to fail. And, and as I look back on it now, it's the change that I've made is to not think of um, the end of each effort as a finish line, but to think of the end of each effort as like a milestone, you know, a lap marker in the race. (laughs) So in each of those instances, I get the chance to regroup, To see what i've learned from the experience and then to kind of run the next lap so it's so different i can't tell you how powerful that's been Mm -hmm. to not think about oh i'm at the finish line collapsed and having lost you know Mm -hmm. instead it's i'm at this resting place where i'm going to get a drink of water and kind of assess what's happened and then get myself back on the road that that shift has been everything in my corporate life but also certainly as an entrepreneur
0: I love that because I think it's all it's all about making sure that you you know take those steps see what you learn reflect and keep on going it's really 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 um, wise words thank you so much for sharing that um one of the things that I really really loved um when I was um looking into the kind of questions I was going to ask you is um this thing around gratitude I practice gratitude a lot and I think gratitude is the thing that's been keeping me sane during the pandemic if I could be honest because we all have a lot to be grateful for right now right Mm.
1: absolutely
0: Mm. and for me I want to ask you because I know you talk about it a lot and it's a really really uh, key theme and topic that you talk about Um, and when I talk about it with my community they often struggle with it they you know especially now um and why do you think it's so hard for us to feel grateful about what we already have and what do you think causes many of us to focus on what we don't have
1: such a good question isn't it because you know it's true i mean that is the dominant kind of behavior pattern is we're always walking about focused on, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I have enough kids, like whatever it is. Um, I think that we train our brain, we tell them to. So when we're really focused on where we're trying to get to, or, you know, the, the gap between where we are and where we want to go, then it's like, all we see is the gap. Gratitude as a practice retrains us to focus on what we already have like the blessings that are in our lives and so then our brain is trained to go and look for that Mm -hmm. it doesn't change anything about the gap the gap still exists right but the the emphasis of where like more of our mental energy and our emotional energy are flowing shifts and it shifts so immediately through that practice of gratitude so um I think also sometimes we worry that if we're, this is like a little bit deeper, but if we're grateful, too grateful for what we already have, that we'll somehow take our our foot off the gas, like we'll slow down, right? Mm -hmm. And we won't keep striving. We won't keep reaching for what's next if we get like complacent. Um, In my experience, it doesn't work that way. You know, in in my experience, a a robust gratitude practice actually fuels you to keep going. It's like you can be grounded in gratitude and still striving for what's next Mm. um, day day in and day out.
0: Mm, No, definitely, definitely. And I think it's all about making sure that the and what you said (laughs) towards the end about the feeling of of, of guilt I, I know that I have yeah. felt that sometimes how what advice would you give in terms of combating that I guess the the, the guilt feeling or feeling oh you know I'm being I'm feeling grateful for this but this is happening how do you think we could handle that
1: say more about that like feeling guilty that you have it better than someone else
0: yeah is that what you mean yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, so mm-hmm. feeling guilty that maybe you, you do have it better than someone else. Yeah. For example, you know, during the times that we're in right now, a lot of people are being laid off and maybe some yes. people are looking at others and comparing and going, oh, you know, they've still got their job and I haven't, that that guilt. Mm-hmm. What advice yes. is anyone feeling that? And I, I think
1: it's, it's a paradox, but to me, that's all the more reason mm. to be grateful. You know, all the reason to acknowledge the the security or the safety or the blessings that you do have is because not everyone has been given those. So yes. if you think about it when we focus on lack we're looking at people who are ahead of us. That the, the inherent benchmark is like someone who has more than us. And we think, well why why don't I have that? You know, why don't I have a business that size? Why don't I have you know, why can't I fit into that size jeans? Why do I not have a house that big? Whatever it is mm-hmm. that we think someone else has it better. When we focus on gratitude, we almost instinctively shift our focus in the other direction. And we realize like so many people would trade for our circumstances. So mm-hmm. I think it, it is, it actually dissipates the guilt to sit mm-hmm. in gratitude for what we have. And then, you know, I sort of live by the, the motto that, um, and this is biblical, but to those who much is expe- to those who much is given, much is expected.
0: Mm. So
1: to say, like if I have all of these blessings and if if my life is this rich, like what am I going to? What does that source? What can mm. I give from that um, to others? And and how can I be of service?
0: Yeah, I I really love what you said there about the service because I think sometimes we get too caught up in you know, if I do this, will I get this back and those kind of things. And when the kind of deep conversations I've been having with my clients is they just they feel very, very drained because of all the energy we're having. And we should be trying to help others and we should be trying to come from a place of service. But I think the d- the debate is, you know, kind of how can you do that right now? But you can. And the way that you've explained it so succinctly, um, Cherylan, it, it should be more simpler. But I think it's more of a a habit that you can that you keep on practicing, right? Until you get there. I think there. so.
1: I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But thank you so much for sharing that because that's a super helpful. And it's also made me kind of think about gratitude in a different way as well. Because sometimes when I'm having a an off day, I, I don't practice gratitude. I'm being quite honest here on the podcast. Right. Uh, it's because I think, you know, why should I? But I think it's that muscle that you keep on building, um, which will really help the listeners. Um, obviously, um, you are a parent and I know you You talk about balancing that as, as a mum. And a lot of the women that I've been kind of speaking to who are mums are feeling quite overwhelmed. I had a previous guest who I spoke to who was talking about, you know, the whole homeschooling situation and secret parenting and things like that. And I really wanted to kind of ask you um, as a parent, what advice would you give to other parents who are feeling overwhelmed with the lockdown and, you know, what's happened over the last year?
1: I mean, I have so much compassion for what the collective is dealing with right now. You know, the collective of working parents, the collective of humanity. Um, And I, I, my advice I would give here is the same I've been giving to our community within Brilliant Balance, which is to be gentle with ourselves, right? Rather than harsh with ourselves. Um, we, we are in a chapter that is not permanent. And I think where it starts to feel hopeless or overwhelming is when we start imagining that this is what it will be forever. And, and it will not, right? Pandemics by definition, do not last forever, right? There is a light at the end of this particular tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no system or solution to kind of in the short term, make everything right. Because we've broken every system that was put in place to keep our typical lives, you know, on track, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. childcare systems and educational systems and even extended family support systems have just been broken apart at the seams mm-hmm. out of necessity, um, but also temporarily. Mm-hmm. And so this is a time when, you know, and what we have access to are at odds. They're just, they're not the same. And I think if we have an expectation that they should be, or they can be, we're just, we're kind of setting ourselves up for chronic suffering. Mm-hmm. If instead we acknowledge this is, this is un. It's unmanageable in its current state to work full time, full throttle with your children at your feet, you know, while they require attention as true do. Is it's just not even a it's not even something we should aspire to do. So I my survival strategy has been um, viewing this as a chapter, a difficult chapter in all of our stories, but one that does have an end, and then being really clear about what choices and changes will I make during this chapter and what will I kind of reset as this chapter comes to a close
0: yeah no, and I, and I think that's a really really positive way of looking at it Shireland, because I think for a lot of people what you just said a lot of people have that permanent like fixed mindset of oh how long is this going to go on when right. it's not going to go on forever you know there will be change there will be peace coming soon but I think it's it's a process right Yeah. And there are,
1: if we don't make the adjustments, if we're Mm -hmm. like, I think early, early on, if you go back, you know, March, 2020, Mm -hmm. we were like, well, we'll just, we can tough it out, you know, for Mm -hmm. this short period of time. Well, then it wasn't going to be a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So I think the people who really got stuck are where we did not make a correction, like a sizable correction to what was life going to look like. Um, what were the things we were not going to do anymore that we're going to create the space for what we had to do. And that, you know, reconciling, letting go of any guilt around that and reconciling with the fact that that's temporary seems to be the pathway through.
0: Mm, definitely. And also thinking about what, what we've learned that we can, that resilience, because mm-hmm. I think so many people have been showing a lot of resilience, especially business owners and, you know, the fact, the way that we've adapted working life, Cheryl I mean, what? how do you feel about how we've adapted in terms of so many of us who've not been used to working from home suddenly working from home? Well, I think by and
1: large, the idea of working from home is very appealing to working mothers if their children are not there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, that might sound silly,
1: but like yeah. the women I'm talking to in our community are like, this would be fantastic if I were not also providing full-time childcare. Yep. So I think what we'll see is as schools resume and childcare services resume, the, the the lingering kind of gift in this pandemic may be increasing numbers of people, men and women, who can work from home at least part-time, but without having their children at the same time. You know that is never going to be the permanent solution. So that may be the massive silver lining in all of this is a giant reset of expectations around work. I think we've learned so much about how to do it well. Um, I mean, you and I are having this conversation on two different continents, right? It's we've learned so much about how to do this well, and Mm -hmm. um, and yet, you know, I want to be in a room and hug people as much as the next person. Mm -hmm. So there will be a blending for sure, um, to really find the the optimized level of working in person versus working remotely.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I mean, I, I think there are definite positives to that not just for people who are are moms, but if you suffer from an illness or if you have a way where you need flexible working as part of your um, work structure. And uh, yeah, I do think- Or you don't want the commute,
1: you know, like think about the time done well, the time reclaimed (laughs) just from a commute could be repurposed for working out or whatever we want. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, no, no, I really, really um, like how you've explained that. That's really, really um, cool to hear. Thank you so much. Um, kind of moving on and I wanted to ask you this question this is a bit more of a juicier question and I was wondering how can I kind of ask Cheryl Ann this because I felt this was one where you know we could go quite deep and I know that you're super passionate about what you do and that's one of the things that I feel where we resonated um, quite a lot um one of the common themes that come up around career happiness is being a workaholic and I work with really ambitious mums and women who are addicted to their work. I've been guilty of this myself. I'm not gonna lie. And we kind of have this mentality of our, current, you know, current work-life culture. There's a lot of a lot in the media about mums facing this motherhood penalty, and you know, some statistics have recently shown, especially in the UK. I don't know what the stats are in the US, but they indicate that mums are aspiring to be you know, not aspiring to be where they want to. So what kind of advice or tips would you give to any woman who feels kind of this way? And how do you think we can keep shifting the weight of expectations that we put on ourselves, Shaman?
1: Well, and I have a question before I jump into the fray here. You know, when you say that what's happening because of the um, sort of motherhood burden is that we are not aspiring to our full potential. What what do you think that means? When we read that in the media, what do you think that means in practical terms?
0: I like that you asked that. Um, I think it demeans women. I don't like how it comes across. This was something that came up um, on BBC News, just to give some context Mm -hmm. around where I wanted to ask you this question. And there's a lady in the UK who is trying to campaign to help women get, especially mums, get better pay rises and to make sure that pregnant m- pregnant mums don't, you know, get sacked. So she's campaigning for sure. a really, really good cause. But when I read that, I feel uncomfortable as somebody who's got a mum and I feel like it it pushes down women's expectations. That's how I kind of
1: read mm-hmm. it. I don't know about
0: what you feel, Sharon.
1: Yeah. And and you think what it means is that they're like taking themselves out of the race. Like, mm. well, you know what, I'm I'm being um, I'm not being thought of as well as I could be. I'm not being considered for these. So I'll just, I'll just settle. I'll lower my expectations. So So, to the extent that we think this is a dynamic of the pandemic, right. Mm -hmm. Of the fact that you have this sort of tension between the ideal worker and the good mom, right. That's the language I'm hearing a lot is you have, you have the ideal worker, which is stereotypically, right. They'll work, all day, all night, they'll do whatever it takes. They don't have any responsibilities or desires outside of work. And then you have the good mom, which is quite the opposite, right? I'm devoted to my children, I'll do whatever my children want, even if it's at the expense of work. And, and so you have those two kind of hmm. caricatures at odds with each other. I think that um, if we buy into either of those, right? As a collective, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Mm-hmm. But if women are taking themselves out of the race, right? If we're saying I actually do want the big job, the corner office, the presidency, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, and I I'm not willing to go for it because I think I think other people won't sanction it, then mm-hmm. that's on us. If we're yeah. not willing to go for it because it's not what we want, right? Because we want a life that has that, that is not aligned with the quote ideal worker, you know, that has mm-hmm. enough time and space to be the kind of wife or parent or partner you know that we want to be then that's quite a different story altogether yeah you know i'm not sure how much the pan i i think the pandemic has exacerbated this in the context of our children are visible you know if we're on a zoom and and the kids are in the like they're visible Mm -hmm. and so it's this chronic reminder but Mm -hmm. that is temporary Again, that is rooted in the fact that uh, the support systems of schools and childcare have disappeared during the pandemic. As they come back online, I think we will see that kind of ebb back to its rightful place.
0: Does that make sense? No, 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 that totally makes sense. And the other thing that I just want to add to that, because it'd be interesting to know your opinion on this, because I know that you're super passionate about this as well, Sherylann, is the other thing that a lot of stats have been showing is that you know, compared to our male counterparts, mums are facing this thing where they're in lower paid jobs, and lower paid, you know, they're basically getting lower paid, and they have to compromise on that when they're, um, when they're a mum. And I love how you said, you know, partly it's on us. But also, if people are in those situations, what, what do you feel could be the advice to motivate them? Because I feel like at the moment, even though there's a lot of support I mean, our government is trying to do the best they can in the UK and in other countries. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are giving support, but what do you think would be the advice so that we kind of don't have that mindset? So that we are aspiring to more positive things is what I would say in a realistic way, of course. Mm-hmm. More financial success, specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the line in the sand, right? It, mm-hmm. I if you really ask you don't even have to be a mom, any busy working professional, right. Who has a life outside of work. Mm -hmm. What do they really want? It's like, I want to be really well compensated for my contributions Mm -hmm. and I don't want to have a lot of constraints put on my time. Yeah. Right. I want to do the highest level work that I can do within the time that I can, you know, um, happily allocate to work. So we're all a little bit different on that. We're all a little bit different on how much of our, how many of our waking hours are we willing to devote to work? I don't think it has to be perfectly correlated with mm-hmm. our income, yeah. right? It's the caliber of work. It's the contribution we're making. It's the ownership that we have that really mm-hmm. drives that. That's what's correlated to So the more responsibility, the more leadership, the more creativity, the more ownership, that's where we're going to see women in those higher paid jobs. Um, those can come with flexibility, but, they're, yeah. but they do come with the burden of ownership and decision making, yeah. and you know, um, which is, is often something that we shy away from. And so that's the piece where it's like, we have to get out of our own way and, mm-hmm. and search out those roles, but not have an expectation that they're going to come with more hours per se.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's really really interesting what you're saying there, and I think it's also about how you approach things, and that I I do think there is some context around some of these stats, but sometimes with statistics, you know, what ends up happening is that it can outweigh the women who are doing really really well and actually, you know, aspiring to greater things, and I think there is this debate around that. What you just said that you know you don't have to be a mum; you can be any ambitious woman who. Who of more, basically. Yes. Yes. For sure. Thank you. Thank you for giving some really good insights around that because I feel like that's something that I'm super passionate about. And one of the other reasons I really wanted to ask you about that is because I feel like we need to set a kind of foundation to make sure as, as career professionals that we are being realistic with people obviously but we're encouraging them in a positive you know nurturing way you bet Mm, definitely think it's important so um where can people connect with you um online and how can they kind of follow in the conversation with you um after this podcast interview today Yes. Well, I think you're asking. I think
1: since you're already listening to a podcast, it might make sense to just jump over to check out my podcast, um, which is called Brilliant Balance. Super easy to find in any podcast service. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next place to go would be our website. So brilliant-balance.com is kind of the home base for um, our brand and all of our different services and it's a good place to kind of get up to speed on what we're up to what are some of the free resources available and um, what else is behind the curtain.
0: Awesome awesome well I'll make sure that I put all of those in the show notes for everybody so that they can go and check them out but in terms of social media is there any particular platform where you um, hang out more and people can kind of um, Ask you questions, or connect with you, or find out sure.
1: balance. I feel like this is shifting a bit, but I on Instagram, I'm at C School Nikki.
0: Okay, um, cool. that's
1: it. That's a mouthful, but you can spell that one out in the show <laughs> notes, maybe. And then um, at Brilliant Balance, or for Facebook, it's Cheryl Ann School Nikki. And then again, that's a lot of letters. You can also just find Brilliant Balance on either of those platforms.
0: Okay, then cool. I will make sure that I will add all of those in the links. But thank you so much for all your wise words today and everything that you have spoken about with us today. It's been a pleasure having you with us today. Thanks
1: so much. It was great to be here. Thank you.
0: Take care. Bye. I really appreciate all of you who listen to this podcast, share it, have subscribed already and left me a review. But I would really, really appreciate if you haven't left a review and you're a loyal listener that you please take the time if you have an Apple Podcasts account to leave me a review. If you're not on Apple, as I know many of you aren't, please share it. Also, if there was a topic or if there was something that you think could really make a difference to someone, tell people about it. The more visibility this podcast has, the more difference it's going to make to people's lives and people's careers. Thanks so much.